Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, the show dedicated to the private investor, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. We want to show you how to cross the divide from residential investing over to commercial property investing. Through interviews, tips and lessons learned, we share experiences of investing and give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash flowing strategy. So let's get started. Welcome back, Linda. Fantastic to have you here on the show. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much, Jerry. It's great to be here. It's super to have you. And and as I've been keeping you informed over the last few months, your episode, which was not um, one that we recorded early on in our in our career on podcasting, episode 106, has favoured very, very well. It's in our top 10 of all time downloaded podcasts. So there's something intriguing about your story and obviously about the way that you go about your business that people have realized and responded to. So I thought, let's come back, do another show, review the project that we'd spoken about and and just bring people up to date as to where we are. Fantastic. Okay. No, I'm really excited because um, so much has happened since we've last spoken. And um, thanks very much for for that uh, super introduction. I feel very special now. And um, yeah, it's great to know that, you know, my episode might have been uh, of of value to to some of your listeners. So yeah, I'm happy to share all this good stuff. It's definitely resonated. So for those that have not listened to episode 106, you should pause and go back and listen to it right now. But if you haven't got time for that, Linda, let's just do a quick recap on the project, um, how you came, uh, how this... How you came to the realization that I'm going to start doing some commercial here because your experience is very much in residential and what actually happened? How did you find this project? Maybe we'll do a quick recap. Sure. Okay. Thinking back to now close to 18 months ago and um, I came across a a beautiful old building. I think it's it's close to 200 years old. It was a former lodge house for um, the original Dunfermline High School. Um, so it is um, uh, it's a listed building and it's in a conservation area. And I saw that, that this property was available to, to let. And I saw the advert, one of the, the local surveyors was advertising it um, as an office space to, to let. And I saw that it had been vacant for a long time. Um, and I, I decided just to take a, a drive past it one day. And... Um, when I was sitting in the car outside of the, the, the building, admiring it from outside, um, there was a, a, a chap picking up um, the, the mail from the doormat. It sounds quite cheesy now when I, I think of what I did, but I, I put down the window and um, I, I called out to him and I said, you know, excuse me, what a beautiful building you have there. It's not for sale, is it? And he said, well, actually it is. 
do you want to come in and have a chat? And that's how easy it was. And, um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate because um, John, the chap selling it, um, is a, a lovely guy. And he'd owned it for 15 years or so. And um, his tenants had moved, moved out. And he then was looking to, to sell. I remember sit, sitting with John and we spoke for close to about two years and I pretty much nutted out a deal um, for, for me to, to buy this. Do you mean two hours? To two hours. What did I yeah, say? That? You said two years. <laughs> two hours. Uh, wasn't, <laughs> it was I was thinking in my mind, was it two years? I thought it was a bit quicker than that, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And um, yes, yeah, so I, I remember at the time thinking, my God, what on earth am I going to do with this building? You know, I love it. It has so much character. You know, um, the room proportions are generous, high ceilings. And I just thought it needed to be brought back to life. Whilst it could function um, as an office space, it very much was stuck in the 80s. And, you know, I have a passion for, you know, converting spaces and bringing them into usage, which um, is fitting for today. Um, You're you're well known for your design. For my design on the yeah. residential side, thank you. And I thought, surely I can apply this to the commercial space. But again, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do with the, this building. I knew I just wanted it. So after um, we had agreed for me to, to buy, I then um, set down the, the route of trying to obtain finance for, for these premises. And I approached my broker, who normally helps me with my residential bridging type short-term finance, and he reached out to, to some lenders. And sadly, um, my re- request for commercial finance on a buy-to-let basis was pretty much, you know, shot down um, because I was told that I didn't have any commercial experience and that there was no appetite for office space. Because this was at a time where we were really, we were I think coming out of COVID, I say coming out of COVID, and I think we, we then had, you know, a further lockdown later on in that year. But there very much was no, um, I didn't believe there was any appetite for large commercial space. But I argued that I thought that there was very much an appetite for the smaller type space on a shared basis. So just reminding people for a second of this this building. So it had previously been let as one unit. Yeah. Albeit it had multiple spaces in it. Yeah. And the overall size of the space is it's not, it's not a massive building, but it's fifteen hundred square feet, something like that. Linda, putting yeah. it on the spot, I can't quite remember the number. Something yeah, that, like that. It's close to that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's um, I should maybe just ask you, but from memory, about five rooms, six rooms. So there are there are five rooms. Yep. Um, but I have kept one of the, the five as a communal meeting space. And then there are four office spaces for the tenants. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I interrupted you because I just gave you, just give people a quick context on this, the, the building. But you also mentioned there about finance. Yeah. And I think you were just about to go on to how you actually managed to solve that little conundrum. Yeah. Okay. So because I I had my commercial battle application declined with with several lenders, because I had, um, you know, direct communication with with the seller, I was just very honest with him and said, look, I'm having troubles getting finance uh, and mortgage um, to, to buy this. I don't have all of the cash right now, but if you were to give me 12 months, I will be able to find the money. 
So we agreed that the um, sale would be broken down into three instalments. Effectively, I paid the building off. Yeah. Interest free in three cash instalments. Nice. And did that, was that effectively a delayed completion? Is that how that worked? How, how did it actually work mechanically in the background? Um, yes, it was a delayed completion. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, and that allowed the, the, the solicitors to, you know, do the necessary convincing and so on. And, um, yeah, have a, it, it actually didn't feel like a particularly long process. And yep. I think we, uh, I paid two thirds of it. And then um, we, we had the completion date and then the, the balance was paid a few months later. Fantastic. That's great. OK, very creative. Yes. That's <laughs> cool. well, and one of the things I want to talk about on today was that you've, you've, you know, we're 18 months into this project now. There's a lot more um, experience from it and just understanding of how the building works for you. And just to compare it with perhaps some of the residential stuff that you've been involved with before. So we'll come back to that every now and then, that, that okay. theme. But but the first thing here is just to pick out is the finance. So that, that was slightly different than maybe one would do in residential. Not that it's, it's impossible to do that in residential, but it's just one of the many different ways that you can um, creatively finance commercial. Uh, absolutely. I, I think that um, when you compare the, the financing of our residential purchase, in essence, you know, the rule of thumb is, you need 25% deposit anyway. Mm-hmm. I think what I've learned from all of this is that there, where the commercial space is concerned, that there really are no, it's not as restrictive as the, the residential space. I think that if you are able to, well, as in my case, I, the, the advantage I had was I had that direct communication with the seller. And I yes. asked, you know, I, I took it upon myself to, to obviously sit down with him and say, okay, how can we work this out to understand exactly what he needed and what what I could bring to the table so that we c- could work on an outcome together. Okay, right, super. I want to ask you, now that we've got 18 months past, um, how do you feel about this project? What has it taught you? Um, and, and there's a few questions there, but what I'm trying to get a handle on is, where are you at just now in terms of this project? And has, does it does it me- make you want to do more, to do less? You know, once you get these things and you get started, there's excitement and trepidation, all that sort of stuff. But now, actually, you've got clients in the building. You know, there's a year past. So it's just to get an update of where your thinking is on this, this strategy, the CMO strategy, and on how it's worked for you and what you're thinking about for the future. Okay. So I, I think, you know, when you embark on something new, you, you there's always, you know, some level of fear or anxiety around it and how it might work, how it might pan out. Um, because ve- very often, you know, there is no real book to tell you what you should do. So I, I was... I was mildly nervous about, you know, having a building where I would have... Um, four different tenants using it on a daily basis. But when I was, um, you know, really giving some thought around what challenges we, we, we have at all, they are very few. You know, when I compare commercial office space letting side of that versus um, the residential let- lettings, you know, hands down, um, commercial is easy compared to residential lets, in my opinion. You know, why is that? Well, 
on the residential side of the fence, you know, we, we could have, you know, noisy neighbours, disputes over, you know, who cuts the grass on a, a shared space, noise from parties or, you know, any, the, the whole sort of antisocial behaviour element, I, I guess. Whereas on the commercial side, um, you know, we're dealing with professional people whose work space it is. It's not their home. So immediately there's not that degree of emotional attachment. Yes. The way we're using space is daytime, not evening. Yeah. So but, you know, they're not actually <clears throat> staying over there. Well, uh, yes, they're, they're not staying over. One of my tenants, um, they, they do use the, the, the space in the evenings, actually, and yeah. at, at weekends. But, you know, they're not e- eating, sleeping there. Yes. Um, so, so long as it functions and it's a comfortable place for them to work, they're happy. Um, so there, there's no maintenance either. Obviously, it's functioning as a, a serviced office. So all of that, that is taken care for, for them. Um, but I just find it it works much better. And any fears I, I did have are, are no longer there. The only, and it's not even an issue, but the only consideration that, that we need to be mindful of when we're all working in that space is, you know, how we use the communal space. We must yep. be respectful or the tenants must be respectful to, to each other. If, you know, only one tenant can obviously use it at one time if they're having a meeting, then they just need to ask, is it okay if we have the, the space in the morning or, or whatever? But it's never difficult. And I guess the bottom line is we're, we're dealing with pre- professional people here. You know, it's interesting though, you're talking there about how easy it is, but you didn't talk necessarily about the legislation. The impact that is having on how we're allowed to let, how long we have to let, you know, in terms of residential, um, under what circumstances, who kind of, who's wearing the trousers in the relationship, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, whereas in commercial, that that's really quite different. So w- when you were drawing up licenses or, or leases, whatever agreements you're using, did you find that simpler? I, I absolutely. Um, you know, it, it was so refreshing because immediately it, it was obvious, you know, who wears the pants. Yes. And it's, it's a good position to be in. Great. As, okay. As, so how's occupancy been? Now we're at 100%. Yep. Um, in the, the early stages, uh, I did have two rooms um, which were unoccupied for, for a few months. But I would say that was probably more intentional on my part because I wanted to be selective with the tenant that I put in there because I wanted to make sure I didn't quite know how the space was going to work for me, if yes, I'm honest. I remember those conversations, yeah. 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 And um, I knew that I wanted, but because I work myself within the, the, the property space, I, I wanted to have complementing businesses in there. At least that was the initial thought. That's changed somewhat because um, whilst I do have um, tenants uh, who, who well, one's a, a, a mortgage broker, another one's an estate agent, and two of the, the other rooms, the, the um, other spaces are used by um, holistic therapies. So counsellors and yeah. hypnotherapists, that type of thing. So were you trying to curate originally, but then you, you know, curate the the people that were in there, trying to maybe direct the type <clears> of people <throat> that were in there or businesses. But did you find that in the end, actually, that didn't matter so much? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So my initial thought was, um, I needed to have complementing businesses for for it to work because I thought that's what the appetite was only for. Similar businesses needed to to be sharing that that same space. And um, but 
occurred uh, after a, a month or so that that really wasn't the case and there simply was a demand for space, a demand yeah. for space which um, could be used on a, I want to say short-term basis, but I, I guess short-term to the point that people wanted at least 12 months. They didn't want to commit to, to any yeah. more than so that. A bit more flexible, yeah. Yeah. However, I think I, I see that changing and that the, the tenants I have now are asking me to extend the, the licenses because they want more security within their business. Interesting. How's your um, thoughts on pricing? My pricing will increase for 2023. Um, I'm probably looking at um, 7%, I'm thinking. Okay. And you've and, and it's licenses you used in the end, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, within there, you'll have the opportunity to to lift the the rate to market rent, or perhaps in our license, I can't remember if you used our one or not, but basically you've got the opportunity to at least increase it by inflation. Yeah, and increase the, there is a clause there saying we can increase it to the rate of inflation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Brilliant. So that's occupancy. <coughs> And how have you found the income reward versus effort? Um, okay. This is a comparison back to Resi again. Yeah, the income versus effort balance is, is um, very much in favour of little effort, large income. <laughs> I, I, I can't, um, you know, be more frank than that. And um, I, I think that, for, for the when we look to, to, to the yields and compare the yields um commercial to, to residential, it, it's a no-brainer. Um I just wish there were more buildings out there available to, to, to people um so that they could experience this for, for themselves. I mean when you think about it, it within the commercial space that, that I have, you know, there is no bathroom, that there is no cooker there's no cooking facilities other than a microwave and dishwasher in the office yeah. kitchen so it's clean it, it doesn't require um a great deal of ongoing upkeep um and at the same time nor will it require you know um, any ongoing maintenance because there is no kitchen that needs to to be upgraded in five yeah. years time yeah um, it's just i, I think it, it's fairly straightforward Okay, excellent. So you've you've maybe even partly answered my my question about what's next. Uh, do you feel this is a strategy you would like to continue with? Absolutely. Yeah. If I could find similar buildings that I could convert into multi office spaces, yeah, I, I would be very happy. And I think, uh, as we touched on before, I, I need focus on one particular industry to allow yeah. that to work because I've been able to prove that that needn't be the case. Um, I, I think people um, are, are looking for a comfortable place to, to work that provides them with, you know, um, the facilities of a, a modern day office space. Yeah. And I do think that my building ticks the boxes. Um, it has a free car park directly outside and it is close to town. It's on the transport links, reasonably within walking distance to shops and so on, and is warm and comfortable and it is kept in you know immaculate condition i have um i will actually have a, a cleaner once a week but but because i use part of the space myself one of my staff makes sure that it's always kept keep an eye on it yeah 
you know, we should we should maybe just do a quick comparison. It would only be fair for us to just say, well, look, let's say Linda bought this building as she did, but decided not to go down the CMO route and decided to continue with Resi. Now, it was an office, but let's just say we could get planning permission to, to convert this back to a lodge or a lodge house. Uh, it wouldn't it, it wouldn't have been possible, I don't think, to do flats just because of the structure of that building. But if we said it was a house, what do you think comparatively that would have been like in terms of income or whether if that was just there's no comparison, actually the only option would have been to go for capital increase? What, what What's your thoughts on that? I would think that, that there would be some appreciation in the building yes. after a, a, a renovation. I'm leading you here, Linda, but would it be fair to say the only way to really benefit from any kind of increase in value or, or income from that building would probably to do it up and flip it as opposed to letting it out as a residential yeah. property? Yeah, well, after my um, WTF moment, my latest <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what will I do with this building? I did consider putting a, a, a one tenant in the building, yeah. and I think that the the rental um, estimations we were around one thousand two hundred pounds per month. I think that that was close to what the previous owner had been letting it for. Yeah. Um, and you know, to, putting that into to context, that's probably on a gross basis, around about one third of what um, I'm now achieving on a multi-let yeah. basis. Yeah. Um, so that was one option. I could have put one tenant in there. The other option was to um, renovate it, um, apply for change of use for um, commercial to, to res residential use. But as you say, I could have made some money if I'd then renovated it and flipped it. Or I I guess I, I could have had uh, an amount of residential rental yeah. income. That wasn't an option for, for me um, because when I looked at what that could rent for and the, the yield on a resi basis versus the commercial multi-office let basis, that there really was no decision to, to be made. That The numbers spoke for themselves. Commercial multi-office let um, was far better and outweighed, as we've just said, by more than three times what I could yeah. achieve on the... the I'm just going to bring in a point there for just listeners. So the net yield would have been 1,200. The gross yield that you're achieving is maybe three times that. So obviously there's a little bit to come off that to bring it back down to net in terms of some costs. Yeah. And, and just as a rough guide for our buildings, we are now between, and this is a very loose number, right? But between 25% and maybe 35% is the cost for running out of our income. Just looking across our portfolio, that's where the average is sitting. So maybe a third is probably the way I, you know, if I'm looking forward, I'd be saying right, a third potentially could be going out on expenses, just stuff that, you, know, you have to spend to make, make the place work better. Yeah. Um, just to give that a bit more context. Okay. So creatively bought, redone. Did you have any any, any issues with utilities, contractors, anybody um, in terms of the fit out? Anything was like different? Anything you maybe do differently next time? I don't know what your internet connection is as an example. Is there anything there? Um, yeah, the Wi-Fi connection that we had set up initially, we found just wasn't fast enough for the building and for for the number of occupants. So. I have put in a lease line type yep. arrangement, which works. It, it, it's it's more than adequate now, um, and uh, I guess sort of future proofs that building 
from a internet usage point point of view if I want to maybe put another office space in there so that that's more than adequate I think um obviously that that is an additional cost but um it can be offset against additional rental income sure and it can definitely differentiate you from other offers in the local area where they maybe don't have a lease line is it a hundred meg line you put in or uh, you're asking me now. I can't I remember. Think. You can't uh, remember the number. Yeah. We've we've decided now all our lines going into gigabit. That's basically this so a thousand meg a second. Uh, when you get to that level, it's actually the other end that's the problem. If the, if the other end of whatever you're trying to do doesn't accept that kind of speed, you get slowed down anyway. Yeah. But it's when you've got lots of people using one source or, or one line, it's so important to have a, a, a good capacity. And as you say, future proofing, there's so much more going to be going through these um, connections that we really, it's, it's, it's funny, sometimes with customers um, where we've maybe had a challenge with water or heating or something, it seems like the internet is the number one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beer comes second, you know, heating comes second, <laughs> water, internet is the number one thing they need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know without the internet they can't work. It's like it's like a commodity now, though, it, it becoming so, becoming so. Right. OK, so that, that's interesting. And if you were to sit down with anybody that's looking at doing this now, what sort of things would you say to them? What would be your encouragements, discouragements? I would say do not be put off by this. You know, I, I think um, renovating, converting a commercial building, setting it up for um, multi-use is far easier than any domestic renovation. I think that that puts in context. <laughs> I don't know why there is this mental stumbling block, I think, in, in people's minds um, as to, to why, why it's perceived to be difficult. Um, it's a building like, you know, any other building. And I think, you know, it's always good to start small, you know, let, learn your craft but before then moving on to something else or another building. Yeah, and and you know some listeners might think, well, Lindy, you've struck it lucky. You got a great building, yeah. yeah. But yeah. you know, you you sat there in the car, you spoke to the owner, you went through the process, you looked at the building, you understand how buildings go together. Um, you were able to mitigate risks by going through that process, even if it wasn't necessarily a big long checklist of due diligence. You were going through those things as you would do normally with your residential experience of. What's going to work for this? What might be the challenges? And and I think some people, if they're they've been successful in residential, they look at commercial as though it's a completely different animal. And actually, there's a lot you've learned already that you can apply to commercial um, investing, particularly when it comes down to the actual fabric of the property um, and the the renovation. It's just when you start getting larger projects that have much more influence from market demand. That's when you've got to get a little bit more. I guess um, do a lot more homework in the in the in at the start of the process. But when you've got an, a building that's in your patch, you know the area, you know what's going on, you know how those buildings work. So it it's almost like you've mitigated much of that risk already. So although I'm sure some of you listening thinking, well, you just found a building and you just you know it's easy. Actually, there's quite a bit to that. There's quite a bit to that. A lot of it is comes down to understanding your market, understanding your end, end user, doing your market research. You know, what, what do people want? Which is no different to the, the residential market. Finding out what sells, 
um, what what people are willing to, to spend their money on. Um, and that's exactly the same with, with the commercial space. You're just doing it with your commercial tenant. You know, you're asking the question, well, what's important to you? What, what do you want from this? How long do you need your lease to, to, to be? You know, what hours will you be working? You know, having those conversations to, to make sure you are offering something to these people that they will, will pay for because they want it and they need it. You, you mentioned earlier on that you, you're thinking about, you know, if I could find more of these, I would absolutely do them. And of course, <laughs> where's the cookie cutter, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, have you uh, have you looked out for anything yet? Have you seen anything slightly different? Are you trying to keep it as ne- as close and niche to those types of properties specifically, or are you looking a little bit wider? Um, I'm always looking. I, I guess you know, I have this obsession about looking for property, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, just well. I love what I do, but um, yeah, I'm always looking and um, thinking about how I might be able to repurpose these buildings um, to to make them work and bring them back to life, whether it's a town hall, a a community centre, a pub, a factory um, that, you know, looks like it needs a little bit of TLC. I think um, it's good to but when you do find something, don't pigeon yourself into to thinking, you know, just because it's um, it, it used to be a factory doesn't mean to say that it needs to be a factory going forward. Sure. Um, so it's all about using the, the, the space and thinking out of the box a little bit um, and thinking um, again, but what, what does the consumer want? What, if tastes are changing, what do these people, what, what are they willing to, to spend their money on? What are they enjoying um, to, to do with their time nowadays? Something that I'm looking at at the moment um, is pubs. I think people's habits are, are changing. I think COVID has, a, has had an awful lot to do with that. And yeah. I think, um, you, you know, that, that sector, that that industry um has changed i think more people like to drink at home nowadays you know they have the the man cave in the garden and i think that um we spend more, more time in our own you know domestic space so i think there's there there's i've seen an awful lot of pubs for sale yes. and um i'm thinking what what how can these pubs be converted into to creating a, a space that people now want and they can use and we can bring this back to life yeah, high streets even they're, they're they're just going through a transition. It, it, you know, it's it's in the scheme of things, it's temporary. But but yeah, they they need different uses, and it's it's up to us as entrepreneurs and property developers to try and work out what those what those requirements are going to be, so we can make get them as optimal as possible. I, I just want to go back to the property just um, specifically at the moment with the lettings that you did. You, you mentioned that you were kind of just working out exactly what you're doing, and then actually, in the end, you just let the space to to the the companies that suited um, best. Have you had more inquiries? Because you know, obviously, right now there's that thing about well, you know, if you sit and watch the news, the economy's obviously you know gone to hell in the basket, and we're all we're all going to you know <laughs> we're all going for a very cold winter. But how have inquiries kept up? Um, even though you're full, do you still get inquiries? What's yeah, the... I do still continue to get inquiries. And interestingly, inquiries from people who are looking to have the space on a longer term basis. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, are quite willing to pay the higher rent that you would ordinarily expect on a short term 
shared yep. baseness. So um, it's an interesting, you know, conundrum to, to, to be part of. Um, you know, I, having gone through the process of not knowing what I was going to do with this building, not knowing who was going to put in it, who was going to, to use it, to now have a, a, a fully occupied building with people on a waiting list um, and asking for more of the same Yes. But on an extended basis, almost similar to the fully repairing and insuring lease. Yeah. So I just need to find more buildings. <laughs> One last question, which uh, you may or may not know, because you may not have spoken to them, but the local agents, are they still telling you that there's far too much office space? Depends who I speak to. Yes. It depends if that person has been in my building or not. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think in the main, you know, they, they a lot of them still believe that, yeah, there is no demand for the certainly the, the large commercial office space yeah. on the high street yeah. yeah so it's funny isn't it that's just a such a generic thing to say and actually you've got to get under the skin and work out what what type of office what size of office what quality of office and what you were mentioning earlier on about what type of contract are they looking for is it flexible is it a year is it slightly longer is it changing slightly and are they willing to pay a higher rate for having that flexibility and the traditional market, the traditional agents, uh, a lot of them, I'm sure there's a few listening and probably spitting teeth, but a lot of them don't really fully understand that service element. And and I guess apart from anything else, the numbers in terms of letting a space through their services and getting paid as a proportion of the rent means that those smaller units maybe produce less income for them. So sometimes it might be just distracting. But nevertheless, it's interesting that as soon as you start going under the skin in the market actually office space isn't dead at all in fact there isn't enough of it Absolutely. in certain sections in certain sectors yeah i mean I, th I think that there's very much the demand for that that smaller type office space i'm not i don't mean you know single um operators but um businesses that that, that have you know between two to ten employees yeah um and i when i um when i have reflected on why there is a waiting list for my office space. I think it's because I have applied the same principles to, to what I do within the my, my residential yep. flips and developments to, to my commercial space. I have created a space which is um which no one expects within the, the office environment. You know, it's not plain white walls and basic desks. It's comfortable. It it has nice furnishings. It's it has been decorated with um, bright, you know, warm, attractive paint colours to, to bring it all to, together. Yep. So when people come there, they say, well, this is really nice. This wasn't what I was expecting. This is a nice place to be. I want to work here. I want to spend time here. This is like home from home. This is what people say to me. Yeah. That Brilliant. is my USP. Excellent. OK, super. Thanks, Linda. Well, we'll come back to you maybe in a year or so. OK. <laughs> Okay. Another update on, <laughs> on the building number two, right? Trifecta, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming back on. It's it's um it's been a real pleasure to watch that building and, and you develop it out, fill it out, and, and to hear how successful it's become. Um, it's it's really encouraging. So um, thanks for coming back on. I'm, I'm sure our listeners have really enjoyed that, just getting an update on what's been happening. But, but I guess just that thing that we've gone full circle now, we've gone right through this project, we filled it, and and now you're looking, I guess, optim there's still it's always time to optimize, you know, with new clients coming in and everything else. But fascinating. Thanks so much, Linda. 
there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you, will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast? And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.